0: Awesome God. Before we bring the word today, let's just pray. Holy God, we stand here before you, surrounded by heaven, in the presence of your Holy Spirit. This morning, as we hear your word, let it fill. Not just our minds, but our spirits. Give it the power to move us to action. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. You can take your seats as well. Well, I'm here this morning to tell you a story. Who likes stories? Who prefers movies? Because... Some people prefer seeing things on a screen to reading things in a book. I don't understand these people, but uh, apparently there's a few of them out there. But I, I want to I start a new series today, a new series uh, exploring our strange Bible. And I thought you know, to start a new series, to talk about the Bible, a good place to start is at the beginning, isn't it? I like, to, I like to just randomly open the Bible and start anywhere. I'm not quite going to do that. But I want to spend our time looking at the Word of God, actually talking about who God is, what is the character of God, and to begin with, what's God's name? I mean, we throw the word around in, in, in our Australian culture, you know, the G-O-D word, God. I want to talk to you about God. That's the, that's the sort of... Sort of statement that sends fear up the spines of, of people out there That somebody's going to come to you and talk to you about God But the interesting thing is when we say God uh, Are we sure that the person who hears that word Is understanding the same as the person who actually says that word Because yeah, there, are, there are people that I've spoken to when you, when you mention God they say Ah yes, 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 the big guy upstairs You think, Really? didn't know there were any stairs that he had to climb? Or you'll speak to some new age people who says, yes, God, God, the force that pervades the universe. You sort of think, what, do you have to have midi midi-chlorons to sort of access God or something? Is this a Star Wars universe? And so when we speak about God, the the first premise I I want to sort of talk to you about today is the fact that when we speak to God, to unchurched people, there's a, a great deal of of fuzziness, even a mist you could say, <laughs> about our understanding of the word God. Um, you can see he's here in a great cloud. <laughs> and so we, we need to have th- this understanding that if we mention the G-O-D word, th- there's, there's quite a bit of confusion about who we're actually talking about and yet there's this assumption that when we mention God... We're we're all talking about the same being or the same thing. And that's frankly, I believe, not true. It's further complicated by the fact, I don't know whether you've noticed, but Australia has become, oh, there you are, (laughs) Um, very culturally and religiously diverse, more and more. And so we have people coming into Australia who we have, sort of, Catholics from South America, we have Hindus from India, we have Taoists from, from China, we have uh, um, Buddhists from China, um, Muslims from Malaysia, we have people all over the place coming to Australia with different cultural and religious backgrounds. And guess what? They learn English. And in English, how many words for God do we have? One God. And so when we mention God to different people, we, we think we know who we're talking about when we say God, but we have absolutely no idea what somebody else might be thinking. I can tell you when you mention God to a Hindu, they are not thinking of Jesus on a cross. And if you mention God to a Muslim, they're not thinking of Jesus either. And if you mention a, a God, to, God to a voodoo practitioner from Costa Rica, um, not that they're all voodoo practitioners there, um, but... <laughs> Well, I shouldn't have thrown that one in, should I? <laughs> they're, they're thinking something completely different. So as Christians, I think we've got to be careful because if we're going to connect with people in this world, we have to be sure that we know that we're communicating the right God. And we need to read our Bibles with that specific thing in mind because Jesus said, you know, the Scriptures are all about me. Jesus, that is, not me. And... You know, I pointed this out in the chapel service this morning. Jesus had never actually read the New Testament. Um, so he wasn't referring to that. He was referring to the Old Testament. That was his Bible. And he said, the scriptures all point to me and who I am and what, I, what my purpose is. And so we need to start reading our Bibles. Who's got, who's got a Bible on them at the moment? You know, it can, it can be this, as long as it's not... Um, Oh, I've got an appointment tomorrow. Uh, As long as it's not Facebook or anything else you've got there, if you've got your Bible app, that counts. But we we actually need to read our Bibles, not just on the screen behind me on a Sunday. We need to take them home and make sure we know who God is. The second premise that I believe is important is the fact that as Christians, we don't know who God is. It amazes me the number of faith-filled, prayerful, even spirit-filled Christians who actually don't know or really understand God. The number of people who I've met whose Christian walk has consisted of guilt and condemnation and the belief that God hates them. The fact Jesus only died on the cross because he had to love me, because God is love. So he had no choice. He doesn't really like me. If I step out of line, God's going to crush me like a bug because because he, he only... Jesus only died because he had to, basically. God forced him into it. He said, you are love, therefore you have to love all these horrible people, of which I'm one. And therefore, Jesus doesn't really care for me. He just had to do it because God told him to. And they have this warped idea about the fact that the Christian walk is one of guilt and condemnation. And it comes out of the fact that people don't really know who God is, what he thinks of them, and what his purpose for us is. And, you know, most of you are thinking, well, that's not me. I'm a perfectly healthy, well-balanced person. I don't, I don't think like that. Um, and congratulations if that is you. But I think that most of us operate with a, a sense of who God is that isn't actually true. And even if we aren't aware of it, we get into patterns of thinking and relating to God that are not true to the portrait of God revealed in Scripture and in revealed in, that it's revealed in Jesus himself. And so... Although our ideas about God or our theology or understanding of God's character is only one piece of our faith journey, I think it's a a very important piece. If you've got somebody in your life, a friend, a partner, whatever it is, and you fundamentally misunderstand their character, it's going to damage your relationship. It's going to damage them and it's going to damage you. And God wants a relationship with us and he's pretty clear, I think, on his end what that relationship should look like. But I think we have some very very muddy ideas about who God is and who we are to God and what what his purpose for our lives is and so in this series I want to explore how we can all have a healthy relationship with God through a greater understanding of his character and how that'll help us reach out to unchurched people with a clear picture of who the God we're introducing them to really is so obvious question how do you get to know someone you ask their name. G'day, I'm Chris. So now you know who I am. Except I just, I happen to know, even in this church, there's at least one other Chris. Now he happens to be sick this morning in bed, so we, we might pray for him afterwards. But if you, if you said, well, there's, there's that Chris that goes to C3 Norwood, people who know us are going to say, well, which one? And so what's the obvious answer to that one? What other name have I got? Surname. We'll pretend middle names don't exist because that confuses the issue. But I'm Chris Matthews and the other Chris in the church is not. So that clears that up. So that's, that's a good way of knowing somebody, finding out their name. Only as an exercise, I, I googled a web, and found a website last night online which uh, if you put your name in, it searches all the um, birth, deaths and marriages records in the entire world. Well, probably just the Western world, but it's a fair chunk. And I discovered that there are 9,453 Christopher Matthewses around the world. And so if you stuck us all in a room, 10,000 people, big room, and said, hello, could Chris Matthews come to the front, please? (laughs) uh, You would be killed in the rush. (laughs) And so our name isn't always enough. It's an important part. And so how do you get to know somebody further? How would you distinguish me from a room with, with, full of 9,452 other Christopher Matthewses? Well, you'd need to hear my story. What differentiates me from all these other people? What's my unique identifier? And so you'd discover that I'm the Chris Matthews who was born in London and when he was two his parents brought him out to Australia and he, he grew up in a small town south of Adelaide called Wollonga Went to Wollonga Primary School and Wollonga High School uh, and then graduated and went to Flinders University and while he was at university, he, to the horror of his parents, uh, left home to live with his girlfriend. And uh, it caused them great angst and and I could go on. Um, And you would find out in my story the thing that sets me apart or the things that set me apart from all those other Christopher Matthewses. And you'd also discover something about my character Like at 18, I didn't care what my parents thought and that uh, I was very keen on somebody that I ran off to live with. And you might think, wow, he was a naughty boy, wasn't he? Is he still a naughty boy? Alas, the person I ran off with. Um, They were, no, well, can I I take that back? (laughs) Get myself into big trouble. So, okay, so Jesus is exactly the same. Jesus has a name. And Jesus has a story. And so, to get to know the God that we worship, the God that we commune with, the God who has created us, we need to actually know his name and his story. And so, despite what I said earlier, the best place to start is at the beginning. And if we look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we get this picture. It says, In God, (laughs) in God, where's that water? Actually, we tighten that one back up again, and can I have the one under my seat? I don't want to be wasted. Sorry, Dylan. I was just saving resources here. Um, it says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." And so, what's this word "God"? We know that this, this is problematic in English because we only have that word "God," but in Hebrew, the word "God" here is Elohim. And it's pronounced pretty much the same in English as in Hebrew without perhaps so much spit. Um, But the the word there is Elohim, and we we often think of that as a name of God, Um, but it's not. It's actually a title. Elohim is a designation, it's a title. It's it's a title which implies and informs us that the God we're talking about is pretty good, it's it's an honorific Sort of title. And so if we, if we understand that th- this Elohim created the heavens and the earth, it narrows it down to what, sort, what God we're actually talking about here. Because I don't know whether you knew, knew this, but there are lots of gods out there. And so we need to work out who is this God that we're following. And he's Elohim, so he's pretty good. And he's the God who created the heavens and the earth. And, and immediately that narrows it down. To a lot fewer gods, because I don't know whether you've, you've read any uh, uh, theology of other religions or Greek mythology or any of that. There are lots and lots of gods in the world, but not all of them have created in a, in a story from, from another re- religion, created the heavens and the earth. Some have in that story. So we know that Elohim is part of that small group of gods who have had a story about them that says they created the heavens and the earth. So we've, we've, we've narrowed it down. But we haven't got it exact yet. And just because you've read the rest of the book doesn't, doesn't mean we're going to jump ahead here. So if you've just read the first line in the Bible, you've already narrowed down who God is. And we're starting to get a picture of God as a creator. And so what, what kind of creator God are we talking about here? What, what can we do? Well, what I said earlier, we need to start reading the Bible with the purpose of helping us clarify the identity of God and letting the stories in the Bible begin to shape our thinking about the character qualities and the purposes of this God that we say we believe in. So let's do that. We're going to start with a story in which the divine name, the actual name of God, not a title, will be revealed. And here I'm actually going to do what I said earlier. We're going to jump in to the middle of a story. We're gonna and because I believe you know Brendan should appreciate this, because this is how movies start. So we start Exodus 223, and we've got this, this movie title going, Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. Oh. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. What word are we using for God here? Elohim. Okay, so we haven't got the name of God yet. So let's stop right there. We've jumped in the middle of this story. So let's let's back up. We know that God is a created God. And if we go back to the Garden of Eden, we know that God commissioned one of the creatures that he created to actually be co-ruler of his creation with him. He got this, this person, Adam, which is where we get our name, Adam, from. And he made a partner for him, Eve. And he actually set them at his side, to be co-creators and co-rulers over this creation that he'd done. He didn't just say, you're nice people, I want to hang around with you, and you just do what I say. He elevated them to a place where they had real responsibility, a real connection with God, and, and they were actually called to do what God wanted on this earth. They, had, they were the kings and queens of earth, if you like. And so God elevated this Adam the humanity, to this status of co-creator, and we handled that very well. Um, Within about two pages, suddenly we'd begun to doubt our creator, uh, decided he was holding out on us, and took away his um, wisdom about what is good and what is evil, and decided we'd write our own rules, and we have our own definition of what good and evil is. And guess what happens? And it happens again still today. When we define good and evil, we define it so that it meets our needs. That's convenient for us. Yep, I'm good, you're all evil, because that suits me fine. <laughs> and, and that's how, I mean, countries you know, go to war against each other because they think, well, okay, we like this guy better, so he's good, and we don't like you, you're evil, boom! And the ICBMs go back and forth. Um, and so our definition of good and evil is, is, is corrupted because we've decided on our own what that's to be, and we've ignored God. And so... What does this God do? Well, if he was me, there's that big red button, you know, get rid of the lot of you. Bloody irreverent bastards, I don't know. <laughs> Create you, give you all the power in the world. Well, you turn on me at the first opportunity. Gone. But here again, you know, even this, this early in the story, we learn something about the character of God that even though the pinnacle of his creation spurns him, turns against him and rejects his wisdom and uh, and his version of good and evil, he immediately sets into into place a plan of redemption for these people to get them back to the place they were in before, even though they've they've given him the finger. They've said, we're out of here. And he says, right, okay, that's really sad but I'm going to set a plan in motion which is going to bring you back to the place that you're in. So we know that God cares beyond all reasonable sense for his humanity. He cares about us enough to have set a long-term plan in motion to get us back to where we rightfully should be. So, so we're discovering things about this God, Elohim, already. So we know he's passionate and committed to us as human beings which is it's a, it's a really good feeling we should if, if you're not feeling that God cares about you that even that first chapter in the Bible should convince you that doesn't matter what you've done or how bad you feel about yourself God is we use the word hell-bent but that's obviously wrong uh, when you're referring to God God is passionately putting forward a plan so that you and me you know us as individuals up in a position where we can have a relationship with him that's restored to the point as it was in the Garden of Eden. He cares that much about every single one of us. So keep that in mind. And so his plan starts off with a conversation he has with some random guy he picks up called Abraham. He's just wandering in the desert. There's no, there's no uh, appointment in his calendar. There's no reminder email. Nothing comes along. Suddenly God just talks to Abraham and says, Hey, Abraham. Uh, you're going to be at the, you're going to be blessing many nations. You know, you're going to spread out all over the world. I'm putting you in charts, and Abrahamson, little candid camera. What's going on here? Um, but we, we, God makes a covenant with Abraham and through, and through his family, and he's somehow going to bring blessing and salvation to the world. So now, here in Exodus, God looks and he's concerned because Abraham's family is now in slavery in Egypt. And so here we have, this is the da-da-da, what's God going to do? What's going to happen? What is he setting in plan, his motion? It's it's Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Moses was leading the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. And you sort of think, what happened? Suddenly we've got God all poisoned. Who's this Moses guy? Well, we know who Moses is. We met him in chapter 2. He's that baby, you know. Saved out of the water, stuff like that. You've seen the movie? You, you know how it goes? Well, okay. We're, we're a bit in the middle of that. And so, um, well, actually, just flip back, back one. Uh, in Exodus 2.24, it says, God, and, we, and it's, this is Elohim again, heard their grating, remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and decided he was going to do something. So after he's decided that, we get taken to the backside of the desert, Um, And this guy called Moses, who's doing the exciting thing of tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. And he's led them into the wilderness, which you you do, I guess, with sheep. And he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing bush from the middle of a bush, in the blazing fire from the middle of the bush. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. So this wasn't your usual shepherd's kid wandering around with the metho and a cigarette lighter putting bushes on fire because they're bored. This is, he's looking at this bush and he's not amazed by the fact that it's burning because he's seen them before but the fact is that he looks for a while and he thinks this, this bush isn't being consumed. This is, this is amazing stuff but that's not important. We'll talk about the bush later. What's really important is that something has changed here in the language and uh, if we look at verse 2, we see we've got the word Lord there in all small capitals. I put the bold in myself, so ignore that. Um, but that, that that's an attempt because Lord doesn't mean God, but it's a word we use in English to indicate um, power over someone. A Lord. You lord it over somebody, you have power over them. But when... The English translators put it here in all small capitals. They're actually trying to get something else across. This isn't just an ordinary word that means um, Lord over something. This is actually the name of God. And so the Bible actually starts off here with a a plot spoiler. It's probably not something you'd do in a movie. Um, But if we read this, if we look at the Hebrew we discover that the word Lord is not Elohim, it's Yahweh. And Yahweh is actually the name of God. So we've suddenly gone from God's grand plan to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt to some guy in the backside of the desert with sheep. And God is about to reveal to this guy his true name for the first time. And so we've got a change here. going to be a shift in our understanding of God because God is about to reveal his name to this person. And so the story in Exodus is actually about the revelation of that name and what it actually teaches us about God, what it actually lets us into in terms of God's story and it will change our perception of how we approach God. And I'm going to tell you all about that next week. But we need to understand right now, that because we're on a journey, Who, who's coming next week? Because we, as, as we read the story of Jesus, as we read the story of God, we're finding out more and more about what God's character is. We already know that he's steadfast, that he, he's planning on doing something and he's going to do it. He, we know that he, he loves us as humanity. he has a plan for us we know that he is a creator god and the interesting thing about that is notice we haven't yet narrowed it down to one god and the interesting thing is we're a monotheistic culture who knows what that means we believe in one god but the interesting thing is in a monotheistic culture we actually sometimes believe there is just one god and some of, you, some of you are nodding, thinking, yeah. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. The Old Testament actually says there are other gods. I'm not going to leave you to think about that. And we've actually made a choice. It wasn't thrust upon us because God is the only God. There's something about the character of God that makes him better than all the others, don't get me wrong. But we need to understand why we are making that choice. And what about God's character makes that choice a life-giving choice as opposed to some of the other choices that we could make? So I want to get the band back up here because I don't know whether you've noticed but the song that we sang uh, called None Like You, you remember that song? It was the third song we did. Hopefully you're not like me and your memory sort of fades quickly. But in that we sang about the character of Elohim It talks about exactly what I've talked about today, about the character of God and the creativity of God and the power of God. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask us to stand and sing that song. And as we sing it, I want you to think about your picture of God, how you think about Almighty God and how he operates in your life. And I want us to start dismantling some of the structures that we've put in place that, and that, that make us think the wrong things about God. Whether it's the fact that we, we're uncertain of ourselves because we don't believe we're important to God. And you might think, well, I know I'm important to God, I just don't think I'm important to other people. But that's just a subset of the same thing. If we're important to God, we're important to other people. Whether we think that God wants us to live a life of shame the secret things that we're ashamed of because we don't think we can tell God just in thinking you don't think you can tell God you've told God um, you can't get away from it you can, you can I don't get to know when you, what you're thinking in fact what you're thinking is none of my business but it's God's business and his desire is that in our hearts and in our minds we are thinking and believing and acting on the right things and so when we stand and sing, if you want to, even if it's just that you, you want to you want to, a, a moment with God, you want to get closer to God, you want, you want to feel his presence, you want reassurance, you want cleansing, you want just a touch. I invite you, as we stand and sing, to slowly make your way out to the altar and just worship there. Casting your cares aside, letting the power and the presence of God fill you. As you come to a realisation that the character of our God, even even though we we haven't talked about the significance of his name, Yahweh, we know that just as Elohim, he is committed to us beyond what we can even conceive. The plan he's put into motion for our sakes is amazing. And we need to acknowledge that. We We need to make room for a refreshing and a renewal of what God is going to do in our lives. So can I ask you all to stand? And we're going to sing. We're going to sing about our Creator God. We're going to sing about the beginning and the end and the power and the majesty of His creation. And as we sing that, I just want you to open your heart. Let Him fill it. And I encourage you, just when we do things in the physical things change in the spiritual uh, this altar here this patch of floorboards isn't holier than any other place but if you're prepared to take a stand to to move out here to actually do something that says okay God I want to get closer I want to do something I want you to move in my life it's that that triggers our spirit to receive what God has for us so I encourage you just take that step of faith as we sing this morning thanks guys can I have the house lights just up a fraction please you may be here this morning and we've talked about the the name of God and the character of God and the fact that his greatest desire for us as his people and when I say us as his people I mean all humanity is to have a relationship with him if you're here this morning, and you don't have a relationship with him, but hearing his character, hearing his story, you recognise that you want and need to have a relationship with him, I'd love to introduce you this morning to Jesus. And we do that by praying a prayer that acknowledges his lordship in our life and acknowledges him as our saviour and we pray that as a group together to invite Jesus into our life or you may be here and you've done that at some time in the past but you recognise that that relationship has gone stale it's stopped there's been something that's severed there I'd love you to pray that same prayer and say So I know who I'm praying with. Can I just ask everybody to close their eyes for a moment? And if that's you, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never asked him into your heart, but you want to do that this morning. Or you've done it before, but know that you need to do that again. Can I ask you right now, while nobody's looking around, just to raise your hand nice and high so that I know who I'm praying for. And we'll pray that prayer together to invite Jesus into your life, to begin life anew and afresh with him as Lord and Saviour is there anyone at all anyone who wants to pray that this morning awesome I want to pray for one more thing before we close the service this morning God brings his presence among us not just so that we get a bit tingly and feel good but He wants wants to operate in power in our lives. And So if you're here this morning and you have sickness in your body, anything from the common cold or a, a cut on your foot to something serious in terms of illness, I want you to come down here to the front, stand on this altar. We're going to pray together. for healing in this place. And again, I want us all to do this. It's not my prayer that's powerful. It's the, it's the outworking of faith of every single person. So can you let's just reach out our hands to these people. Mighty God, we pray right now we thank you that your Holy Spirit is here working miracles amongst us. That as we pray for healing, that bodies are healed right now, even for people who aren't here. We pray right now that our friends and our loved ones, if they're ill, are experiencing a miraculous recovery through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. We pray right now, touch, touch these people. I command any infirmity, any illness, any disease to be gone. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.